1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNC's apply.
2: You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track.
3: Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. A new week has begun. It's Monday. It's actually quite a nice morning. I reckon it's going to be 20 degrees today, which is um, pretty staggering after what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. But still, that doesn't mean it's not going to rain, which it has been right throughout the course of the state and right at the eastern seaboard. My name is Jason Bonington. You can call me whatever you like. Bonner's J-Bon. Uh, Bono, More on. We've got Steve Cleveland at the other end of the line. It's going to go through the review of racing. Not only... We'll, we'll, we'll concentrate on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park Melton, but uh, also the Maryborough Cup meeting a little bit yesterday as well. How are you, Clevey?
4: Mr Steve Cleve, are you there? Hello, Jay hey, Bond. Sorry, i have just had a little bit of trouble with the internet out here. Since the uh, the big rain's come, we've had a little bit of issue with our internet dropping in and out, so hopefully we can stay connected. But uh, it was a great weekend of racing, mate. I hope you uh, had a good one. I did. Um, I, it was
3: sort of a, a, a scratchy start, it has to be said, and scratchy middle stages. It was only uh, coming home hard with, we'll talk about them later, Queen Alida, who was heavily, heavily supported, both Queen Alida and Cobber, had a little uh, multi early on them, and they were both paying. You know, they were paying about a dollar eighty or a dollar seventy and two dollars fifteen, and then both of them got summarily, absolutely crunched late. Uh, but was able to get something out of them. But race one, I look in a way, I tipped, I tipped Beach Villa on top, but in the back of my mind, I was like, I, I don't know about all this, particularly a dollar twenty two. Not one of mine, Beach Villa, and um, once again, he's a funny old horse, goes around at those sort of odds and things don't go quite right. And in opposition, the winner of the first race on Saturday night at Melton, Mac Cheddar, is just a little ripper.
4: Yeah, no, he really is. And uh, our Kirsten Graham on uh, Trots Vision gave it a good push at some, you know, probably ridiculous odds. And I think it was just because the favourite was so short. But Mac Cheddar's been racing in terrific form. Got up and paid $19 the win. And even the second horse, Raw for Roscoe, at $51. They've both been racing really well. But Beach villa he's a, he's a bit of an enigma, and that's what the owners sort of call him. You, you sort of think with a run like that, he should be winning by absolute lengths. 28-1 first quarter, a 6.6 lead time, which he wasn't doing anything uh, serious under any sufferance. He just sort of coasted across to suit himself. Got a 31-8 <laughs> I reckon that internet
3: played up. Five, four, three, two, one. Already back.
4: No. Yeah, there. How much of that did you get?
3: Uh, Not, not nearly enough. The last thing I heard was you talking about the fact that um, Beachville
4: is a bit of an enigma. I think. (laughs) <laughs> right, or you missed a fair bit. <laughs> yeah, no, he is a bit of an enigma. He, he just had that race absolutely handed to him on race Got away with the thirty-one-eight uh, second quarter. Should have been winning that race by lengths, but uh, on the corner, his mind just wasn't
3: there. No, not not for the first time. This is why uh, I think I marked him. Um, Bill and Anne Anderson are get to start getting upset with me. It's got nothing to do with them. But I marked the ladies in red the week before. About a dollar ninety when she started, about a dollar thirty or a dollar forty, and Mark Beach Villa around a dollar eighty or a dollar ninety. Now for very different reasons, ladies in red was obviously drawn the second row against um, against Tough Tilly, so that was the reason there. But here Beach Villa, like I think, the amazing thing is they've just kept on backing him. I mean, I know the last start win was impressive, but you'd have to have a short memory not to remember a couple of the times where he's he's looked to have races shot to pieces and not been able to win them. Matt Cheddar, Kirsten Graham gets the job done. I did hear you say that from uh, from her tipping on uh, on Trot so well done to Kirsten with Mac Cheddar. He's, uh, I love the mum, Union Alley, and Mac Cheddar's got a lot of the mum in him, tries his guts out, fast horse held up for a run. But um, our man who's administrating the Harness Charity Challenge, poor old uh, Pogger, in fact, he would have been happy with the run of Raw for Roscoe, but he also would have thought we're over the line here with about 150 metres to go.
4: Yeah, no, it was getting pretty exciting for Pogger and Raw for Roscoe. And, and like you say, he donates some money out of every one of those horses' uh, runs to charity, which is just fantastic to see him do. And it was certainly cheering him home, but uh, Mac Cheddar just got a little electric sprint on him and he made up lengths in the last 100 metres to take away the win quite comfortably. Uh, as you say, Raw for Roscoe, very good, major, major. You probably thought he should have been the winner at the top of the straight, but just sort of got home okay for third.
3: Yeah, he's uh he's sort of a promising horse, major major, but you'd like to see him go to another level. Based on the opinion Jeff Webster has of him, suggesting that uh well, he toys with Ira Paul at home, he toys with him here, but you would have thought he would uh, he would nearly win the race. We move on to the second. Now this was a little three leg multi that had to turn into a two leg multi because I was keen on Sergio Blanco, but sort of everything that could possibly go wrong, did go wrong for Serge Blanco, who was backed into a 2-15 favourite. And ultimately, Arden Roanoke, who's been having about a 1,000 cracks at Melton trying to win races, gets the job done. And this is, this is how this horse is driven best. Lead, take a trail and use his speed. A couple of time they've, times they've tried to lead and hold the lead and it hasn't worked out, uh, Clevey. But here, Arden Roanoke finally breaks through for a metropolitan success.
4: Yeah, no, you're right there. They just came out of the gate under double wraps, looking to cover off whoever was going to be the first one there. And uh, you see, um, over the odds, he was three wide into the first. At the front, which gave Arden Roanoke an absolute perfect trip. Uh, Renko, the favourite, he uh, he's, he's a bit unlucky. He uh, did a bit wrong and cost himself a few times and went around to have a look at the front, couldn't get the front, then got... Uh, checked again, uh, sorry, got uh, cover again when Stag Party came around to give him cover at the bell but uh, he's got a little
3: This might be a good time for a break and maybe to get
4: And let the leaders do as they like
3: uh, We might need to uh, get you up on a uh, the problem with the phone box we might need to get you up on a, on a on a phone line here because it's just dropping out pretty badly. We'll talk more about race two when we return, but I think it's now time to take a little bit of a break, take a deep breath, and see if we can get some better communication happening
2: for the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life here on SCN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SCN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736.
3: Welcome back to the Metrospective edition of uh, of Trotters Lies and Life, and this is what we want to do: just talk. Can we just talk? Um, apparently, we can now, which will be very helpful to the punters wanting to find a winner for the future out of this meeting staged. Advocant headquarters on Saturday night. Clevy, before you were you, you were sort of dropping in and out, we're talking about Arden Roanoke. Uh, what else did you make of the second race in the card? Lombo Heaven was clearly an eye catcher in the concluding stages.
4: Yeah, that's right. I, I hopefully I'm back for good now. Bod, uh Lombo Heaven got home exceptionally strong, uh ran some really good closing sectionals. Uh I think he ran twenty seven twenty eight fifty seven and then twenty eight uh, 27.41, his last two. So he's certainly rocking at home. And Stag Party, I thought, done a really good job second up. He's, uh, he's knocking on the door as well for a win. But Arden Row and Oki just had that easy run behind the leader. They got away with cheap sectionals, and it was just a quick sprint home to the line. So it made it really hard for those in the back of the field.
3: I'll be uh, putting a little black bookmark next to Lombo Heaven from race two in the car. We move on to race three. Now, Geez, I couldn't have read this one worse, and the, and the punters couldn't have read it better, I don't think. Sarah Ann... I mean, you looked at the race engine and you thought to yourself, well, Nonpareil had gone so well in the strongest of the three heats for the Victoria Oaks series. Why is Greg Sugars not driving her? Why is he driving Sarah Ann? Now, Sarah Ann had one really impressively her last couple for Freddie Tabor. But honestly, from the actual form references and strength of that form, I couldn't have had Sarah Ann on top. But as it turns out, she was the best mare in the race and, and going places at the moment, Sarah. And in fact, the last sort of 50 or 70 metres, she looked under a little bit of pressure at the top of the straight, but she uh, she cruised in that last little bit for a for a, uh, a pretty dominant win
4: here, Clevy. Yeah, that was a terrific win. She was three wide early, just sort of tried to work her way around nice and gently to get the death seat, and it was always going to be there for her. But Common Courtesy decided just to kick up and say, no, you can do a little bit of work, and... Uh, Wondered how much that actually took out of her with the early speed. 43.8, they sort of rolled along a little bit. Once she got to the front, she got a 30.8 second quarter in, which was a bit of a breather. Home in 29 and twenty-eight three, but really and found again towards the line. So... She certainly got a bright future into this one. I that was a terrific run. It's Ebony and Ivory. I thought that was a great run coming from well back when the sprint was on. Certainly ready to win one very soon. Uh, Kakawa, it had to do the work getting up there three wide, maybe hit the front a little bit too early. Common Courtesy, I thought, stuck on very well. So those four, probably the best four to take out the race. Yeah, a little bit weird.
3: Don Pirel, though I mean, there had to be something amiss there. I would have thought, given how well she'd gone at her previous start. And Vincenzina, I thought by her standards was a bit disappointing as well. And you could just see if you go back and watch the concluding stages here, Clevy, it's it's a war of attrition. Kako sort of um the big mare going up and down in the one spot. It's Ebony and Ivory's trying to make ground, but Sarah Ann had broken them. Really. One fifty five eight over the middle trip, even on a even on a nice night at Melton is is moving she, she might be she might be something
4: yeah absolutely because as i said she had to do a bit of work to get around them early and she looked like she was sort of a sitting duck at the top of the straight but on the line she was holding them very comfortably
3: uh are we going to go as far as to to black book a horse like it's ebony and ivory or not
4: yes i 've got her in my black book, yep, I would have thought uh,
3: that she might get a Guernsey because um, many of those well, there's several john yeoman 's uh, runners that are just coming back and probably needing a little bit of hard racing well that 's the hard race, I think that it 's ebony and ivory required to be able to bounce off that and and go forward. Now, here are some uh, horses that are going forward in their careers because they're at the top of the tree virtually for the two-year-old trotters at the moment. In the IRT Australia, Tatlow Stakes for the baby trotters at Group 2 level on Saturday night and rocking with Attitude gets the job done. I certainly gave it a hope. I did think the race was probably primarily between the locomotive and Susan Is Her Name. Susan Is Her Name's been... Enormous. I can't tell really whether the locomotive's been found out a little bit, but rocking with attitude gets the job done. Great drive by young Jaden Barker, who's not doing a lot of driving, but he just sat in there, waited for his opportunity, sliced through, and won by the barest of margins. Clevey.
4: Yeah, no, he drove an absolute pearl of a race, and congratulations to young Jaden. It's great to see, uh, see him get a bit of a reward for effort. He, you know, he's one of the young fellers. He's had to work pretty hard to get his spot, and you know they've they are stuck by him with this horse, and he drives at an absolute peach. He, he knew exactly what horse he wanted to be on. He, he said no to everyone who wanted to come up until the locomotive rolled around. And I was sort of watching around the corner, and I thought, gee, I reckon it's nearly the horse to beat. But he got held up a little bit before the sprint lane, and I thought, oh, the, you know, the outside track has got the kick on him, and it's probably going to cost him. But, gee, it knuckled down the last 50 metres and stuck its head out where it counted.
3: Well, you spoke bit in the previous race that uh, you were happy with the top four. I think you could probably go as far as the top five here. Cognati, actually, despite getting beaten a fair way, uh, was pretty good. The, the locomotive, well, what did we make of the locomotive's run?
4: Locomotive had every possible chance, didn't have to do too much work to find the front, dictated terms to suit itself. with 31 6 and 32 4, only 29 8 down the back. You know, on its it should have been winning this, but they went past it like it was, you know, maybe a, a tired horse. I don't know whether it's it's just sort of come to an end of a prep or or what. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, he comes back out of this, or whether they decide to head to the paddock because uh, you'd expect with that sort of run out in front. It should have been winning. Valerie Lane's going
3: to be there because sort of if you if you go back through this, uh, the, the, these are the hard things to really measure because. Valerie Lane was directly behind Rockin' With Attitude. So you've got about a four-meter margin, but where Rockin' With Attitude is stuck to the pegs, Valerie Lane's come out off the pegs. And even in the straight, when you have to get balanced and get rolling, particularly as a trotter, I tend to think Valerie Lane's probably gone just as well as the winner.
4: Yeah, well, not not far off, if not as good. So certainly one that you've got to be watching going forward. It was a, had a nice trip, but, yeah, it did hit the line very well. And I'll, I'll give you one right out of left field here, and it's really hard with trotters. I, I can't black book it because it's obviously done something wrong, and that's hard with trotters. You know, if, if they're not uh, really well behaved, then you sort of can't put them in the black book. But Sequence, who galloped out, absolutely smashed the clock with its sectionals, running out the back on its own. It went one for its middle half, 57.89 its last half, and its last mile in eight five on its own. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And beaten
3: 42.7 metres. So the, the beauty about that, and, and starts at 101, so SP profile, massive margin. The beauty of, uh, of identifying sectionals like that, Clavy, is that... Uh, the horse is going to go around in you know similar company at, at an at an enormous price again next time. So this is a thing y- y- you could have a bet next time round without having a big investment and hope that sequence does everything right without having to really have a go. If you know what I mean. So while whilst not a black book, a definitely one to follow if you can find those massive, that massive quote again next start.
4: Yeah, hundred percent. As I said, it's it's a little bit troublesome because it has galloped out, but you're going to get odds to you know to sort of overcome that. So, it's just say, you don't have to outlay very much, but certainly one to be having your little five each way on going forward.
3: And uh, and out of the top two, rocking with attitude, obviously the winner. But is Susan, is her name, the most exciting trotter in this generation now, based on
4: what we saw Saturday night? At the moment, I think so. That you know, the run it put in was just you know huge. Going out, doing all the work, going around them, and Rock and Beatitude getting the the cult seat on them. So to go down a short half head, that was uh, a terrific run. And yeah, as, as I say, it's it's a bit of a question mark over the locomotive because it was the one uh, you know it was the leader out there. And and when it comes to the you know young trotters, it was probably the best going around and it's gone poorly so at the moment you'd have to handball that to susan is her name for sure all right before we go
3: to the news we'll go and have a look at race five on the program at tab court park melton on saturday night and she said, did this a couple of times didn't they old uh, uh Candyman and bailey mcdonald they were both the head of affairs and know where to play switchy swapsies and they did it here la captain Leeds hands up to cherokee joe Alby Two Chains makes mistakes, mighty flying art cops interference, and the race changes complexion very, very, very quickly. But I'll tell you what, La Captain has been one of the most dramatic improvers I think uh, I've seen over the last twelve months here in Victoria. Didn't think that much of him, but he's by that super stallion Captain Treacherous, out of a very, very smart Philly mare named La Machine, and really starting to show that ability. But the second horse has gone super as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he's just come to another level, I should say. And and Greg sort of said, you know, last prep, they were just about ready to sack him and say no more when he finally turned the corner. So luckily they, they did push on for one more prep because uh, he's won, I think, seven more races since they were almost going to sack him. So that's a pretty good effort. But I was, I was listening to them, and, and I don't want to try to sound smart here, but all but they were sort of talking about LB2 chains being our holdout, pull the other leg. If you go back and watch this horse's gait speed, I would have loved to been able to have a bet to say who'd be in the front by the finishing post the first time because I couldn't see anything in that field holding this bloke out, and he absolutely crossed these without even getting extended. He's got electric gait speed, and it's one of his best things because he just goes to sleep once you've read him off the gate, and as you saw, Greg's handed up, sat leaders back, and then he just wakes him up, and he's still got a sprint at the finish, which a lot of horses don't. Is there a sit sprinter... And you use that gate speed. They generally don't finish it off very well. But this horse seems to be able to do it at both ends. So you just can never ride him off. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter if he draws seven. He still crosses these with a the leg in the air.
3: He's uh, well. He's, he's he's probably weirdly uh, better off drawing a little bit, you know, as wide as possible because he's, his first two steps aren't, the quickest, but he must, is incredibly fast. And he he has crossed some super fast horses. I thought he would get across. It was a matter of who he would, whether he would hold the front or then hand up to. Uh, would LB2 would chains to be on the scene there to be the one to hand up to? Would it be Cherokee Joe? The way it worked out, um, 46-1 lead time, first half, sixty two point seven seconds, so we talk about this all the time, but you've got to be a little bit forgiving of those back in the field here because they just had no, no chance getting home in fifty five eight and in fact, it was only really the last you know few hundred meters they really got revved up here, clevy yeah,
4: absolutely, and this is again saying what I said earlier. To Saturday night, nobody wanted to put pressure on middle stages. It was one of those nights where everyone was just happy to sit back and let the leaders do whatever they wanted to do. And, you know, when you're running 32 1 and 30.6, you know, a 62 7 for your first half at Melton in Metropolitan Race, you're just getting away with murder. And uh, as you say, it makes it almost mathematically impossible to come from behind.
3: But it, it certainly is one of those situations as well where, <clears throat> and hey, this doesn't always work out, but doing your form and working out, where where pressure's going to come from in a race. So I mean you've got to get your map right for for a start because if you don't get your map right then you you don't know who's going to be getting the easy runs at the head of affairs and on the pegs. But if you, if you, there were so many races on Saturday night when I went through them that had no no mid-race pressure, um so unless something unusual happens or a horse is driven against pattern or someone just goes attacking for no reason uh, well, people hate these races a lot of the time as spectacles and I totally get that uh, as long as there's some level of predictability for the punter you have to be able to go through a race and say do I see anybody laying down the Lord of these horses once they find their roles and if you don't see that well the one thing that it does make it easier for you as a punter is you can rule out more than half the field because they can't win
4: yeah absolutely and uh Just watching them go over the line again, you know, the top four are the four to be following out of this race. Like Captain Cherokee, Joe, they're both going to improve off that run as well. They're going to get a bit of fitness out of that. Um, Paul the other leg, who we know is racing terrific, but I'm going to black book, let's rock, let's roll. He was jogging over the line. He never really got clear air and Josh was just literally swinging on him. So he's one to watch going out of this.
3: Yeah, he's 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 one of those horses. I think have <laughs> all been sucked into the vortex at some point. But one thing he does love is being held up, and probably not even really fast run races. That's almost like a very nice race for him because he's got he he can absolutely burn when he sees clear air for about 300 meters. Let's rock, let's roll. He's that he's that kind of horse. I'm going to be forgiving to just about every runner in this race. Only 13.5 meters separates him at the finish. It's a dawdling. Mile rate of 158.3. It's all been done in the last few hundred metres. But it is worth remembering, and Clevy's made a very good point, um, anybody who has doubted La Captain's gate speed before, and I think everybody during his ascension have done that, um, don't doubt him because he's probably as fast off the gate at the moment as just about any horse going around in Victoria. Time to go to the news, find out what's happening in the world. Hopefully good news with all these flooding um, pr- problems right throughout Australia, but particularly here in Victoria. And when we return, we'll have a look at Race 6-1 by Major Meister.
2: Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736 a <laughs>
3: 1975... Make us feel good here on a Monday morning at SCN Track and wherever you're listening into Trot's Live, a retrospective edition with Steve Cleave and Jay bond trying to find you some winners for the future and just assessing uh, some performances at Tabcourt Park, Melton on Saturday night. We'll also have a quick look at the back end of this program at the, um, a couple of the big races at Maryborough Yesterday's the Country Cup season continues at Maryborough. It's been a while since we've had a Country Cup. Race six. On uh, Saturday night at Mountain won by Major Meister. I, I I couldn't see this. I couldn't. I don't know whether you you read the tea leaves a little bit better than me here, Cleve. But Major Meister had had a really good start to his preparation coming back from that injury. Then it seemed like he'd really flattened out. I know he hadn't had a lot of luck, but I thought to myself, "You're not you're not going anywhere near as well as you were." But he's found the right race here, and you, you speak about mortal um, and tempos and minimal pressure. Well, this was nearly next level. So the lead time was okay, 6.9, but then they've really dropped anchor over a mile, 30.1, then 31.4, and they've rushed home. So once again, you've got to be forgiving all the way down to last place run by Love and Chevy, I reckon.
4: Yeah, and no, 100% agree with it, Ed, not I certainly didn't leave the tea leaves right in this race either. And it was a great drive actually by Jordan Latham. He uh, he knew it, the death seat was always there uh, with Magic sitting there, so he never hustled this horse forward. He just basically rolled across on his own steam. Um, Duke of Dundee had to sort of push to get across uh, Dad and Dave early just sort of, you know, takes a little bit of sting out of them when you do have to sort of rein him up to get across. But Major Meister was just allowed to amble across. And and then, as you say, another race, no mid-race pressure, 30.1, 31.4. It was nothing but a dash home. And I was sort of still a bit shocked at how well he, he sort of toughed it out. Um, as you say, he that didn't seem to have been going as good as what he can. And we know this horse has certainly got the ability if he's. At his best, he'd be pretty confident here. But at the top of the straight, he was really strong and, and dug deep. And like you say, everything back to last. I mean, even loving the Chevy, that's not his go, going three wide without cover and, and running home, you know, a 55-4 last half. And he's been beaten 10 metres, you know. So the whole field literally... Got well, to a huge, like, Ten times over, you probably get, you know, half a dozen different winners. Well, that's what I
3: mean. You, you look at Rick Brawley who was at the back... He's gone pretty well. Uh, all shook up. has gone pretty well. But, yeah, the, you really, if you went through all their sectionals, and you, you, which you do with the finer-tooth comb than I do, you but you wouldn't see a hell of a lot between these. There's no doubt – there's no argument you can make, I don't think, that Major Meister was the run of the race because he's – I know he hasn't done heaps of work to get to the breeze, but at least he sat there outside the leader – and he's put them to bed, but in terms of everything else, it's very hard to work out who's who in the zoo. Night Nitro ended up starting favourite. We know he's a one-run sit Brenner these days. I didn't put it on for him. The one thing I'll say about Duke of Dundee, he is uh, one of these uh, frustrating horses, I reckon, based on recent starts, who has, you know, good gait speed and you want to lead with them, but that he's, he's actually better suited coming off the speed Duke of Dundee because I, I, with the sectionals that they ran... It is very unusual, isn't it, uh, Clevy? Some horses just prefer following a helmet. And, and you might be able to explain w- what the reasons for that are, whether it's a confidence thing, whether it makes them feel like they're going better, whether they're just pack animals and they only want to peel and roll in the, in the concluding stages. But some horses go better, way, way, way better in front and some horses go way, way better following
4: a helmet. Yeah, no, 100% right there, Paul. And I suppose it's a little bit like athletes, I know playing football, I was always better trying to chase someone down than I was if I was out in front. If I was out in front, I'd get run down every day of the week. But uh, if I was chasing someone down, you seem to be able to run a bit quicker. And I think that's the mentality of some of the horses. You know, some of them, they like to be in the death and just grinding the horse inside them into submission, whereas others, they just need to be tucked away, covered up, feeling really strong. And then when they get a gap, they go bang. And Juca and Dundee, you know, is possibly one of those horses. But He sort of had every chance to be, you know, right there Saturday night. You'd think he would have really pushed Major Meister out after the run that he'd had. But maybe that's just say that little bit of push off the gate may just take that metre or so off him. I mean, he's still only been beaten 4.9. But talking about the whole field, Rick Riley, you mentioned, went super. He's the one that smashed the clock when it comes to sectionals. He's gone uh, 58.83 his middle half, 54.86 his last half, and yet he's run six. Yeah, j- j- just amazing, isn't it?
3: And so, and I think this is just the, the little key for young players who are having a, um, having been on the trots and they think, well, I got that wrong. If you if you backed, if you tipped and backed Rick Rollie, you, you might think, well, I got it wrong. But you didn't get it wrong. The only thing you might have got wrong is the tempo of the race and just how slow that they would go. But apart from that, there there really was nothing wrong with Rick Rollie's uh, run. He, well, he was a great run. There's, as we've mentioned, there was nothing really wrong with Love and a Chevy's run and it's run last. So um, going into the next start, if you liked one of those horses and you've been following them, I couldn't make an argument for why you should get
4: off any of them, really. No, 100%. You'd certainly just, as you say, you'd, you'd just put a line through that, say they all went well um, and, and take nothing away from it to say that, you know, there, there's no reason why you wouldn't back any of them. Like Love and the Chevy, he could come out next week, draw one, sit the leaders back and absolutely win. Um, you know, and people say, oh, you know, how's he improved off last week? He ran ninth last week, and but he actually may not improve. He may run a worse race, but have a better run. So uh, you certainly would not put a line through any of them and say no.
3: Now, race seven, feature of the night, Catanash Jewelers, uh, Victoria Trotter's Oaks at Group 1 level, and this was some sort of win. Once again, they have not broken the clock. 47 Lead time, 31 first first quarter of the final mile. Second quarter of the final mile, 31 5. And you're thinking to yourself, those at the head of affairs are probably going to dominate this thing. A couple of um, early mistakes from Amandine and just a bit touchy changed the complexion of the race. But I tell you what, we spoke about the previous race. You could run it 10 times and get maybe eight different winners. Here, you could run the a 100 times and the same horse wins every single time out Baron Keeper. Clevy.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's a funny little thing. I always say, you know, luck, luck can be a real fortune sometimes. And if you if you were on Elder Baron Keeper, you probably thought you are out of luck going into the first corner when uh, the second favourite, Amandine, broke. Because you've gone th- from three pegs, you've lost the length. And next thing you know, Blake, he was just about to get, Chris was about to get back three pegs again when Blake Fitzpatrick cut down and put in four pegs. But That ended up being a lucky move because it got him clear at the top of the straight, being that length further back. Whereas had he been three pegs, he would have had to turn left, go inside two horses into the sprint lane. And a lot of horses don't like going down to get into the sprint lane, especially young trotters, whereas Chris was able to angle out, get the right gaps. And, boy, this horse flew home when it saw clear air. It, it's just got a lightning sprint. And, uh, yeah, as you say, I, I think you could run that race multiple times and put that horse in multiple different positions, and it probably wins every time.
3: It is uh, – the, the way trotting's changed – I wrote an article about this on uh, on Saturday. 11 of the 12 runners here, either by European or American size, and the speed that they have – I mean, we, we've mentioned it a lot, but the evolution of speed is just incredible. So, Elder Baron Keeper, well, you've got the stats in front of you, I would have thought. Leader to, yeah. leader to leader, leader to winner, they've gone home in 57.5. So, what on earth is this thing
4: when it's last 400 in? Elder Keeper's ran 56.55, so 56.5, last quarter in 27.75, and I reckon it was only hitting top speed with about 20 to run, so probably could have even gone quicker.
3: Uh, you, 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 well, I'd love to analyse the 100 metres, or 150 metres after it got out. Um, just push-button speed. Uh, the puppet was able to, um, to extricate at the right time and has won comfortably. Well done to Dan Malecki. Uh, he was pretty keen each way, or one by five, or place only on Mum Pays the Bills. And well done to uh, t- to Team Barnes there as well in such a big race where you're taking on, you know, huge heavy hitters like Andy Gath and Anton Galino and Lara J. Farm and... Blake Fitzpatrick to be able to run second in a race like that, and Revel Stoke I had as uh, one of my best roughies on the card. It's got a lot of ability. So too as Cormayur Egret, Egret I think, was a little bit disappointing, but uh, I think he's another horse who's better uh, following a helmet and transit. And of course, there's a couple out the back there, including the favourite Amandine, who we just we can't um, we can't really judge on this performance in any way, shape, or form, Clevy.
4: No, exactly. And as I said, Revelstoke, I thought that was a terrific run. He's had to go three wide, led them up, hit the front, and looked the winner until probably 50 from the post. So that was a terrific run by Revelstoke. So he'd certainly uh, be following it going into some of the features coming up.
3: All right, we might take another short break now on the retrospective edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. When we return, we're going to talk about an absolute megastar who won the Baron Park, Mowry Miss, Trotters free-for-all at Group 3 level. One of my favourites, and I think one of everybody's favourites now, despite what happened last week, Queen Elida,
2: Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736.
3: welcome back uh, this is Esssie in track, and you are listening to metrospective and one of the great features we have from trot's vision these days um, are the post race interviews, often with uh, winning drivers to find out their thoughts and get their um their celebrations uh following a big win, but this is even more important potentially um. Take about five minutes to just soak this one up. Duncan McPherson, who, along with, well, a number of others, but he's been right at the top of the t- tree in terms of that incredible evolution that I spoke about a moment ago with the, the Square Gate Division. He's a trotting zealot, bringing that international blood over. He won with Elder Baron Keeper, the Catanars Jewelers' Victoria Trotters Oaks on Saturday night, but it had not been an easy day. Floods ravaging the breeder, trainer, owner, well, not trainer, breeder, owner, um, Leviathan contributor and sponsors property. Um, and Rob Orbis spoke to him about the floods, but also about the excitement of ending a tough day with such a magnificent win with Elder Baron Keeper. Here we go. Um, tell
5: me, um, you, you've had a, a terrible...
6: 24 48 hours tell us what's gone on at the yeah farm. 24 so I mean everybody knows there's been some floods up around um, Seymour and and uh, Murchison and then we're kind of in between the two and and the overland flow started flowing and um, we woke up that we graded we thought we were all right last night I checked in at the farm and then uh, four o'clock uh, four o'clock this morning there was a bit of a bit of a bit of a murmur. And then um, they were swimming horses out at 8 o'clock this morning. So I I rang and and said, right, so I had to do a couple of things in Melbourne and then I took off up there. So it's not one of those nicest things you do. You're walking, you know, um, breast deep in in, in water, trying to get horses out of paddocks. You've got fences that are half underwater. Um, It's very difficult to herd and and get them. But we managed to get all ours out. so the mares and foals, we've got obviously got foals on the ground. They're all, all on dry ground at the moment. Um, the yearlings are all in the in the yearling barns, and then we put an SOS out because between us and the Weedenbacks and Greg Fleming, three properties, um, we we're all we we're all underwater. So um, the cavalry arrived, and um, we were ferrying horses as fast as we could get them out. But the first job was to make sure that the welfare of the horses was all okay and. And just get them into any yard or any box that we could put them in and get them out of, um, you know, four foot of water. So we were swimming in and getting them this morning and then we were around at other properties and pretty much doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we we got boats organised in case we needed to, we cut some fences and got some horses out. Uh, we had a couple of boats there in case we needed to get, get them out. Um, the police air wing was over the top of us, he was a bit of a nuisance. So with all due respect to Vic Police, the horses weren't too, too wrapped about a helicopter, so... We moved that and then all the roads got shut right round And as everybody knows. And that's why there's a lot of participants that aren't here tonight. And um, it was just one of those things. So hopefully the water's going down. It pretty much settled at about 4.35 o'clock. And with the last tracks going out the gates and pushing through the water, I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll dash down here and see what happens tonight.
5: So, um, so obviously during summer I, you know I was fortunate enough to come up to the farm and, and you are in a fairly you know low area flat area uh, the horses that were in deep water um, did you move them from, to a different property or?
6: no we moved them up to the first thing um, I mean credit to everybody in the district and credit to to, um, to the to the team at Elder Baron Park um, you know what Danny and Melinda and the kids and Scotty f- who works for us and the team did to initially get the first lot of horses. So the first thing we did was get the horses out of the deep paddocks, which were four and five foot deep, um, and get them up onto on the highest ground we could. And then by the time we got up to high ground, the water just kept coming. So we were getting inundated. It didn't matter which paddock we put them in. Um, and then the cavalry arrived about one o'clock. And then it was a matter of um, if you didn't have a four-wheel drive or a truck, you just couldn't get through. So it was a matter of loading up you know, seven horses and five horse trucks and making sure that we were right. But it wasn't only us. We were doing, you know, people were helping the backs people were helping Flemings. We're all in each yeah. other's properties helping each other. Um, first job, get them all up to high, the highest ground we could and then make the decisions about which ones we're moving and which ones we weren't. So, yeah. yeah, a pretty stressful day. And, you know, it's probably a sleepless night for them all up there tonight. I mean, we know that we're on dry ground. The ones that are left, the others have all gone round to Frank Jessop's place south of Nagambi. Um, So, everyone ferried them down there. Um, Again, I can't thank people uh, enough. um, The call to to, to people, I've never met these people, and just the the time they gave us and and the way they did things was just absolutely outstanding. And, And we couldn't have done it on our own. I mean, there's no way known we could move all these horses in such a short period of time before dark tonight and that was, that was the objective of the exercise because when it's dark you can't, you can't see them and they get disorientated and if the water kept coming well we didn't know where we were going to finish up. So most important thing, they're all standing on dry ground tonight so just a wonderful effort from anyone, everyone in the district but also the team at Elder Baron Park as I say.
5: Well, uh, you, you, you know, you've gone through a terrible 24 hours. You come here for three minutes and uh, get some get some pleasure. I don't know whether it uh, it sweetens the blow at all, but, um, look, you know, I think uh, the, the most important part is, uh, you know, everyone's safe and, and we've yeah. saved the horses. And, Correct. And, you know, Correct. We, we, we go again, don't we?
6: Yeah, we do go again, and that's typical of, of harness people, isn't it, globally? I mean, you know, we hear about these things and... You never think it's going to happen to yourself, and when it does, and and everybody just pitches in, and you know, it's a bit like you know, a bit like the, the filly that won tonight. I mean, you, you know, we bred her in New Zealand. It's a it's a long 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 go to get her to the races, and to to have the confidence, and Bernie and Michelle to have the confidence to send her over and and um, put her here and give her an opportunity to to race single sex racing fillies racing in in Australia, which is the predominant reason we brought her here. Um, and then for her to measure up tonight was just outstanding. So, no, very proud of everybody today and obviously the continued work at, at the farm that that um, the team do, Mel and Danny up there, but to um, that save the horses and then come tonight and win a group one. It's, if you told me that was going to happen three weeks ago, I, you know, you just don't expect these things in life. There
3: he is, uh, Duncan McPherson, speaking with Rob Orber, and it's... Um it's hit hard. This thing hasn't it, uh, Cleve? I, I don't know how many people you know that have got themselves into trouble or that have uh, that have found themselves in an awkward situation. But I tell you what, it's
4: we're not mucking around, are we? No, we're certainly not. It's uh, it's a terrible thing to see, and unfortunately, you know, I mean, we just can't cop that much amount of rain at once. I know here at the farm, we had 156 millimeters in three days. You know, we don't normally get that month that much rain over a month, and touch wood, we're, we're way up the top of a hill where we're not going to flood, but I mean a lot of people lost uh, tracks I know we had a lot of track damage from the drains, so certainly couldn't handle that amount of water, and you know, these poor buggers that are anywhere near the rivers, the rivers are the same as the drains, they just, they can only take so much, and and they just keep feeling and feeling, and it fills very quickly as he said, you know, but they went to bed and everything was okay, and they wake up in the morning and they're four foot underwater, and uh, it's typical of and not just the harness game, but the the horse industry, like so many people are just very quick to just say, Yep, yeah, let's get out there and give a hand and it's fantastic to see everyone just sort of binds together to help these people out. And a little bit of a scary part is it's not over yet. I know the rivers are just starting to peak today. A lot of them up that way are peaking today to about lunchtime, so nearly now. But we've got another big rain coming next Thursday. So you know, if, if we get another 70 or 80 mil, you know, it could be a repeat all again.
3: The, the thing is right now, as we've got to go for a, a break and then come back and we'll get stuck into the second hour, the problem is now from everything that I'm hearing and the, the, is that you only need a small run at the moment. Uh, back in a moment, we've got a second hour, a big second hour of uh, Trots Live and
2: Metrospective to come. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track.
3: Hour 2 of Trot's Life here on a Monday. A beautiful Monday right here, right now in Melbourne, so hopefully uh, the rain stays away because as mentioned, all the information they're giving now is the water, the, the ground is so sodden and um, and the water so high that it's not going to take another 100-year storm to get that going again. It's just any rain is too much rain in uh, many areas of Victoria at the moment. Now, some more positive news. Queen Elida, what a trotter she is. I'm really, really, really looking forward to what happens later in the year. Hopefully, she will be tackling the Inter-Dominion Series. We know from Michael Guerin that he's pretty confident, very confident, that if a couple of Kiwis come over here, they'll smash our best trotters, Majestuoso on his way back. I'm ready, Jet, on her way back. But I'll tell you what, there's something about this girl. I know she only beat her own gender, and uh, they didn't do much early in this race on Saturday night, but she's, she's special queen Elida clevy.
4: She really is. She's the queen of trotting here at the moment. She, uh, she's very well named. And how she went on Saturday night, she just did that so effortlessly. Chris just drove his usual brilliant race. He never panicked. That's, you know, he's the best in the business. And, you know, you only got to watch him closely. He just eased her out, but didn't get moving down the back until the right time let her slide up on her own esteem, never pushed her. At the top of the straight, he just reined her up a couple of times and she just went bang and said, see you later. It's just she's an awesome mare to watch and she's so big and tough. Like she's such a, a heavy set sort of mare, you know. She's just got a bit of strength, so much strength about her. And, yeah, she she's very exciting. And I say bring on the Kiwis. We, we've got some nice trotters here. I, I don't think it'll be a walk in the park for them. I'm just watching
3: the concluding, like the final 600 again here. And what is almost most amazing about this man, she did it two starts ago here at Tabcourt Park. She makes up that ground, whereas in most races with most horses, be they trotters or pacers, you've got to make up that ground. You've got to be urged to, to make your, your sprint. The first half of her sprint is just cruising at a a much higher level than the rest, Clevy, and that's almost the most beautiful bit to watch. When she puts him to bed and she really hits top gear over the last 100 metres, and she pins the ears back, that's great. But there's something so sexy and glamorous about a horse who can just make up 15 metres, and she's not going top gear, she's just moving into it with such ease, and as you mentioned, so
4: effortlessly. Uh, Absolutely, and look, I know Chris has driven 7,000 plus winners, but I can guarantee if you said to him how good a feel is it driving a mare like her, like you say, when you pull her out and she literally just toes you into the race, you're not asking her at all, you know, it must be a great feeling because she is something special. And as I said, I'm, I'm sure Chris would just, you know, he'd be in awe of this mare and, you know, as I said the feel that she must give him when he does pull her out, she just must feel like an absolute machine. Uh,
3: remaining runners in the race, once again, fast last half. Uh, I don't know how much we can really make of it. Um, Elder Baron Crescent was first up from a break. She got home relatively well. Um, Adele is continuing to be a little bit of a, a headache, I think, for connections and for punters. I know that, oh, I'm pretty sure that Lara J. Farm have got a good opinion of Visionary and that's the same connections as Just Believe and um, she's clearly going, she's heading on a, an upward trajectory Kiang Zina was good. Baltica was quite good as well. They were all just in a bit of a different lead to Queen Alida. That was the thing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. All those horses will be very competitive once they can sort of get away from Queen Alida, which is really hard because, they're you know, they're racing in the best races and she's always going to be there. So the visionary, Greg, was uh, uh, a little bit stuck for room. He, he decided to come off the pegs when Kiang Xena looked under pressure. But the moment he got on a Baltica's back, Baltica sort of hit a brick wall, uh, and Kian Zena kicked back again and, you know, he probably could have got up the sprint lane and maybe – no, I don't think he would have made a race of it. I think Queen Alita would have held him off, but he would have got a lot closer. Um, it's certainly one to follow going forward. Um, actually, the whole Lara J team of Trotters uh, are really going good at the moment. Every one of them is just absolutely flying. So you'd certainly keep following those. And as you said, uh, Kian Zena I thought was very good. Baltica maybe a little bit disappointing. I mean, I know she hasn't been beaten that far, and if you take the winner out, there's only a length between, you know, a, a big group of them. But I thought she was probably the main danger to the winner, if there was a danger at all. and Crescent was really good, but just couldn't hold Queen Elizabeth back when she said go. She's just got that electrifying sprint that none of the others seem to have.
3: No, she's, it, it, she is quite amazing. And, um, and I, probably there was a... There would have been a period not that many years ago where you looked at um, a mayor's only trotting race and would have said, well, you know, that's completely different form to the open grade." but it's not the form's not that different these days because Baldica is the kind of mayor who I think should be in an Inter-Dominion series. Adele probably should be, Elder Baron Crescent probably should be. Then you've got a couple of others here who wouldn't be too far away from it. So we live in a different world here, don't we? And it's even with the pacing grade with Ladies in Red and and Tilly and all the rest that uh, once upon a time you'd sort of say, well, is that the real form? Because, you know, you've got to take on the boys soon. But of the two remaining or or the two returning trotters who can challenge Queen Alida at the moment, I mean, I know she didn't win the Bill Collins, but I still rate her as the best going around right now, Queen Alida. But one of the two is another mare and I'm ready, jet anyway. It's just... It's, it's very different from what it once was.
4: Oh, 100%. And, you know, you sort of see it when Black Caviar and, and those horses came along and became champions. They were the start of the mares starting to turn that around against the boys, where it was always leading up to sort of that time frame. It was always the boys. But now, and in both uh, codes, you see horses like this. Our girls are just amazingly good. And, and look, it even comes down to our human side of things you know our sports stars now and our drivers and our trainers the females are every bit as good as the males and uh you know there's no division now with sex it's just they're all in there competing against each other you know horses humans the whole lot and it's just amazing at how good they really are and it's exciting when you've got mares that can compete with the boys because i think it adds a little bit of a dimension to the mare. if they can get up and beat the boys it makes them even sexier i suppose it just makes them that little bit better because they're actually out there beating the guys up, which is uh, great to see. No doubt
3: about it whatsoever. We might take another break now, come back. We won't be hearing from a couple more of the, um, the, the winners on Saturday night from those videos uh, and audio that are produced by Harness Racing Victoria via Trots Vision. And we've still got a couple of races to go from Saturday night before we have a squeeze at what happened yesterday in the Trotters and the Pacers Cup at Maryborough. Stick with us right here on SEN Track.
2: Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736.
0: Baltica put her head in front of kiangzina Queen Alita coming at it though. Out three wide. Baltica turned for home just in front from Queen Alita. Visionary's right there looking for a run. Queen Alita now moved up. She hit the lead from Baltica. Visionary trying to squeeze through a gap. And then Elder Baron Crescent. But Queen Alita went for home. And she is home. Queen Alita comes away. Visionary up to second. But Queen Alita's too good. Queen Alita came clear. And one is expected. Beat-
3: Absolutely love that Mayor. I think everyone does, but I just, just there's something about Queen Alida, uh, and I shouldn't take her off. Um, former colleague and former Metrospective major contributor Nikita Ross, who we all get to have our favourite horses that we pick out very, 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 very early, and she picked out Queen Alida earlier than anybody else. Before we get stuck into analysing the final two races of the night, um, wanted to just go back to the future for a short moment. We discussed the winner of Rockin' With Attitude a little bit earlier and a young man who, well, fish breeding is his number one game, I think, but uh, Jaden Barker, they caught up with him on Saturday night on Trot Division as well, and here's a few words he had to say.
5: You've had a great journey in this harness racing world. I think I've
3: Well, they were, they were very few words, weren't they? Um, that were just a few words from Rob but maybe we can get that up in just a moment. And in the meantime, let's get stuck into these last couple of races, Clevy. This was my uh, favourite win of the night because I needed it to um, to end up in profit for the evening. I, they absolutely moosed Cobb heavily, heavily, heavily supported into a $1.50 favourite. But he was better than $2 most of the way through betting. And look, he, he won like the kind of horse that, um, well, that I think that he is and that is a miler when he gets those opportunities and he can do that sort of thing in front, um, even after a little scratchy start, he's um, he's pretty handy. I don't know how far he can go, but he's pretty handy.
4: Yeah, no, he certainly is, and he loves getting that in front. The barrier draw definitely suited him. There's a bit of early speed with uh, what did you say, wanting to get across of Major Watson. So there's a little bit of pace on going to the first corner, what did you say ended up grabbing hold and then getting the 1-1 position behind major watson uh before aussie playboy made a move around but uh yeah Cobber just had that race in in his own keeping and he, he just won as he liked really at the end it was quite impressive and it was good to see him bounce back he he's run a couple of starts to go was just okay and then you know, trying to chase home Captain Ravishing in the Derby, it's uh, it's a hard sort of act to try and follow. But uh, the top of the straight, when young Ryan Sanderson really asked him to dig deep, he just put the ears back and said, "Well, let's go and and put a bit of a space on him." And he won quite comfortably by six point one meters. Although the Sectionals weren't overly fast. They were consistent the whole way through. It was probably the first real genuine run race in a sense, 28-3, 29-9, 29-8, 29-2. And uh, he just simply outstayed them. And uh, he certainly got a bit of a future. And especially, like you say, that, that shorter distance racing where if he draws the lead, he's going to be very hard to run down because uh, tough horses win mile races because they can just run a good, solid pace the whole way.
3: Yeah, and he was able to do that. Like uh, the the overall mile right here, here is going to look very moderate indeed. But he was just able to just keep rolling along. Every quarter of the final mile was under um, was under thirty seconds. When I say final mile, there's only a, a hundred or so meters before that. But he just kept them kept the tempo there, where he w- was maintaining enough uh, uh, enough of a sprint that they couldn't just sort of come off his back and and launch at him. But I feel like he could have won it either way because this is the kind of horse that he is. Do you see Cobber as being one that in 12 months or in 18 months or in a couple of years could be in the really good races or is he going to have to pick his path through these probably short and maybe at very most middle distance races where he can draw well, find the pegs, lead, trail and transit?
4: Well, you've got to think he's only a three-year-old, so I'm sure whatever he's doing now, he's going to improve on. He has had a bit of racing. He's won nine of 33, but you still, you know, as he races this better company, I think he'll improve. And you might find when he does get into open company more, he'll be a bit tougher for a while, but then as he comes of age, I, I, I just think he's that sort of horse that he just likes to do it tough. So he'll be able to pick and choose his races, how far he goes, I suppose that we'll find out, you know, maybe in about 12 to 8 months.
3: Uh Aussie Playboy just – he doesn't he virtually doesn't know how to run a bad race. He's been informed for the last two years, it feels like, Aussie Playboy. Uh, he's all, always going extremely well, but not so many excuses could be made for the rest, I don't think.
4: No, I didn't pick out any excuses. They were all under the bat, you know, at the home straight. None of them were really making ground. They they sort of just look like a little bit of a tide bunch behind them, to be honest. There was no – uh, held up runs or, you know, anything flashing home late, they all just sort of plodded to the line behind the winner. And uh,
3: late scratchings of night school, daylight at dawn and say it ain't so. Joe uh, obviously contributed significantly to that result. We've got one more race from the Saturday night meeting to get through, then we'll come back. Hopefully the internet will be restored here at uh, 111 Coventry Street. And we could maybe hear from Jaden Barker and have a look at the Maryborough Cup uh, the Maryborough Cup and the Maryborough Trotters Cup yesterday. But before we do that, the final race in the program at uh, at headquarters on Saturday night, Jellyby Sylvester had been uh, really solid, very, very solid first up from a break and was able to get the job done, Clevy.
4: Yeah, no, it was a good win by Jellyby Sylvester. He uh, sort of lobbed early and, and ended up in the death seat. Aussie battler flies a gate, he always does, and was able to find the front from Sunbeach uh, Shadow, I was going to say somewhere that's not the right horse and uh, then when um, Sahara Sirocco came around gave Jillaby Sylvester the 1-1 one, one, and then followed around by Cicario shuffled Jillaby right back to second last so he went from a really nice posse even though it's only a small field to being pushed almost back to last and the speed that he showed down the back when he when he got him out and running he he really got home strong and twenty eight seven down the back and twenty seven eight home he's four wide around that sort of last part of the corner and just kept on running shows you sort of how quick he is because normally when they're running twenty seven eight off at twenty eight seven it's hard to catch the leaders but even Bernie Winkle struggled to make round on him and, and we know how quick bernie can sprint
3: yeah he's a he's he's a very nice and he's a progressive horse uh, whereas most of these it has to be said, probably by this stage of their career, we know exactly how good they can be. But Sylvester uh, Sylvester's the the one that's got some scope, I think, here, Clevy.
4: Yeah, absolutely. There wasn't a lot between them. he Battler stuck on well. I mean, he had only gone down by a head. Some beat Shadow up the inside by a neck. Bernie Winkle's 1.4 metres away. Sicario, 3.1. Yeah, Juleby Chevy, 4.1. Yeah. So there's really not a lot between them. Sahara Sorocco. Just probably, you know, found it a little
3: bit too tough. Uh, I do hope. I do reckon some beach Cheddar will come back and win a race or two at least, and I hope so because he, think so? he he showed so much promise at one point, didn't he? I remember he was going around in those mile races, and at the same time, um, the same time, uh, Craig had uh, my Kiwi mate, and you're thinking to yourself, is this one even better than my Kiwi mate? Uh, obviously, went up there. Um, to Jason Grimson I reckon for a while up in Sydney and normally that's a recipe for utter glory but it uh, wasn't a be for Beach Shadow but you just hope he can come back here and get back to his best and that was, I, I thought that was pretty encouraging I know, I know as you say, it's only 4.1 metres between first and sixth but uh, it was encouraging to see him come back here to Victoria and, and run well first up from a break
4: Absolutely. Like I say, first up from break, it's always tough. But the way he hit the line, it was really good. So he'll improve off that run for sure. And like I say, it would be great to see him back because uh, you always like to see those good horses sort of come back. You don't like to see them drift away into the shadows. And uh, yeah, he seems to come back quite nice.
3: All right, I reckon can we maybe hear from Jaden Barker now because I think we've got everything back on track. So we might hear a, a few words from Jaden who uh, drove rocking with attitude to win the Group 2 Tatlow Stakes for the two-year-old Trotters on Saturday night at Melton. Then we might come back and get the black bookers from both myself and Steve Cleve before we go to the news and then come back and talk about those Maryborough Cup races that I discussed a little bit earlier. Here's Jaden Barker.
5: You've had a great journey in this harness racing world. I think I called you winning your first race at Geelong uh, a few years ago. I think Mum and Dad were trackside, and I think they were there trackside when you won that Group 2 race a, a few moments ago. Congratulations.
4: No, thank you very much, Rob. Um, yeah, no, it's been a, a long journey, but it's well worth it now.
5: been a big thrill for you. Uh, tell me about this horse. You've um, Obviously, you've got the drive. Uh, David's uh, uh, entrusted you uh, to stick with this filly.
4: Uh, yes, Um i sort of just been driving her since she's come from the breakers. Um, you know, they always said she was really nice and it wasn't until we got to the trials and were against the older horses that we sort of saw what she could do. Um, and David sort of allowed me to keep driving. Obviously, the, with the owner's help, I've been able to keep it and I should be able to keep it after today. <laughs>
3: Don't mind that from Jaden. I should be able to give it after today. Um, There's Jaden Barker, young man, uh, and he gets the opportunity to to have breakthrough success at major race level. And David Miles and he um, get along like an absolute house on fire. I know that uh, uh, Miles, he kind of, I think, sees him as a... Uh, uh, yeah, a bit of an adopted son, Jaden Barker. He's got um, he's got a, a great work ethic. He works out in there in the track of Tabcourt Park Mountain as well. Leviathan fish breeder, as we heard right here in Trot's Life, going back a couple of years ago when we were just kicking this program off the ground. So well done to him and well done to David Miles with Rockin' with Attitude on Saturday night. Now, how many Black Bookers have you got, Clevey
4: uh, I've got six and a few to watch that I just couldn't quite put it in the black bookers, but uh, I think we've got half a dozen that we can take out a Saturday night.
3: All right, I'll give you mine first of all, and uh, I'm sure they will align, well, at least once or twice. Uh, Lombo Heaven, I thought, uh, I put it in the black book, I just thought it was one of, on a night where it was really hard to to pick out, you know, horses that were genuinely charging home and making ground because of the way that the races will run when you're getting home in incredibly fast time, then trying to find the ones that are charging home is not easy because they all seem to be getting home at about a very similar pace. Rick Rowley stays in there for me. Um, I I think he's actually... Take Major Miser out of the equation when he's on song. I think Rick, Rick Rowley's actually probably, and maybe loving a Chevy, Rick Rowley's better than those horses that he, he went up against on Saturday night. But you can't win under those circumstances over a mile where you're going 61.5 seconds uh, the first half of the final mile. And Revelstoke also goes in, which I reckon will be also in clavies from the Victoria Trotters Oaks. But lay your six black bookers on us and then the ones to watch, please, Steve.
4: Okay, so out of race two, I've got Stag Party thrown in there with Lombo Heaven. 100% agree with everything you said for Lombo Heaven. Stag Party, I thought, good first up and even better again Sunday night. So he's certainly working his way up to win and he's been really good value. So hopefully you might still be able to get a little bit of value from that one. Going forward, it's Ebony and Ivory, I thought, was a Black Booker out of race three. Uh, Sarah Ann was absolutely huge in winning. Common Courtesy did it really tough and was going good. So Common Courtesy is one to watch out of that, but not quite good enough to do a Black Book. Um, so just it's Ebony and Ivory out of that race. Uh, race for the Black Book was uh, the drive of Jaden Barker. <laughs> we won't put a horse in there, but just uh, hats off to Jaden. He drove that absolutely perfect. Just remember Sequence, who galloped out in that race, the sectionals, it ran 59.14, 57.89, 158.51 on its own chasing the field. So not a black booker, but definitely one to follow. Should be big odds going forward. Certainly worth having your couple of dollars each way. Race five, live Captain and Cherokee Joe, they're both going to improve off that run. So they're certainly horses you've got to keep following. But off black book, let's rock, let's roll. He is one of those horses that needs the right run just to be covered up. Gets home really strong late, but he was going really well Saturday night. Went over the line under double wrap, so certainly worth putting in. And then race eight, Visionary is the one to watch from that. Uh, certainly going to run a lot closer to Queen Elida. Had he not locked wheels and and then got tied over concluding stages, would not have beaten her. But if it happens to get into a race without Queen Elida in it, it's certainly going to be tough to beat. But that's my black bookers and a few to follow outside of those.
3: All right, we were going to go to the news at this juncture, but unfortunately, technologically, that will not be possible. Um, So we will continue on, and uh, now we've got the black bookers out of the way and the horses to follow from the Saturday night meeting. We push forward to yesterday, some great action at Maryborough. Uh, Maryborough Cup Day, always a terrific day. Um, Talk us through your thoughts on the Trotters Cup, first of all, from Maryborough, Clevy.
4: Yeah, the Trotters Cup, that was a great race. It was... Sort of interesting, uh, as I heard Kirsten say uh, yesterday on Trots Vision, a few of them started a little bit too good and then had to be restrained into positions that then became sort of not quite so healthy. Zarem was one of those that sort of got up outside the leader, does not want to be up there, it's a really good sit sprinter. Ended up restraining because they were in the Indian fire, went five pegs, but then sort of got held up and and never got into some clear running. But uh, hats off to Alex Ashwood and Taylor French with Parisian Artiste. Uh, went absolutely super. Just went up, sat in the desk seat, uh, controlled the race outside of Don't Care, put the pressure to it and ran away. like It was a really tough win. Uh, one overall, another one of the Jess Tubbs, J Farms Trotters, absolutely flew home late made up length in the last hundred meters so certainly one to be watching going forward don't care stuck on well along with kooka lane uh but yeah the hats off to the top two i thought they were the best two runs in the race but it was certainly a a good uh, addition of the mirabara trotters cup
3: well it's just um you know we've spoken about it a lot and uh I can't talk about the situation at the end of the year anymore because uh, I think I've probably already t- talked about it enough with the Inter-Dominion clashing with four-year-old racers, but like, the four-year-olds, the Pacers and Trotters, qu- quite incredible how quickly it happens these days. And I know uh, you've been around the game even longer than me, Clevy, and um, you know, back in the day, that's just not how it was. And I know there's been a change of seasons and they are actually five and yada, 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 but it doesn't change the fact that these horses are reaching uh, reaching the top – from a standard-bred perspective, quicker than they ever have before, and they're inheriting the earth at four years of age. More often than not, we've seen rock and roll do. Uh, Parisian Artiste, another example of that, Queen Alida. Everywhere you look, it feels like they're taking over earlier. It's almost like 21's entering the AFL, 21-year-olds entering the AFL and in their second or third season are uh, totally dominating the game.
4: Yeah, no, 100% they're bonded. I suppose the breed's got a lot faster. Um, The American, you know, bloodlines coming into it's probably improved that, so they're actually reaching that... uh, You know, they're not looking for toughness as much. They're sort of high speed, so they're, they're reaching that peak a lot sooner than what they used to, you know, 20 years ago. These horses, they weren't real high speed, but, gee, they'd stay all day, but being that way inclined, it used to take them a lot longer to develop and mature, whereas, like you see them now these guys are just bred to race from the moment they hit the ground and and that's why they are going so well at such much younger ages but it, i think it's exciting because i think the the three and four year old seems to be when you know the the derby horses and that sort of stuff they're the ones that we really get excited about so i love being able to see them progress from a derby into the group one races as four year olds whereas years ago you used to find that the good three-year-olds would sort of struggle a little bit when they hit open age because they just weren't sort of tough enough. But now, because they're all just very speedy, I mean, they're still tough, but they're a lot quicker now and they're probably a lot more even, that those younger horses can step into open-class racing a lot easier than what they used to. The key here
3: is, though, I reckon, if the four-year-old's are going to take over, we'll go to the news in a moment because I think we've got the system back up and going, but if the four-year-old's are going to get there uh, faster than ever and you've got a really high quality six or seven year old that you want to keep racing. We have to be as creative and thoughtful about giving them racing opportunities. And I know there's claimers and we've tried to do a couple of different things, but you've got to keep giving those horses racing opportunities. And one of the things I reckon uh, that I've always mentioned is something that I believe should be done is Vic bread bonuses. Further Vic bread bonuses, for instance, should be given after Uh, your 10th win or your 20th win or down the track just to keep horses involved in the game, give people a reason to keep them going because the prize money that goes into those big races for two- and three-year-olds is only made from the turnover right across the board. And if we don't have the quantity of product, we won't have the turnover, we won't have the prize money, we won't have the relevance, we won't have the participation, and it all goes to hell in a handbasket. Let's go to the news, hopefully, when we come back – We've still got to talk about the Pacers Cup, and we might get a couple of clips of the Trotters and the Pacers Cup at Maryborough yesterday as well here on Trot's Life.
2: Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736.
1: Heading for home, 27-2. They charge down the back. It's a battle of speed in the final circuit. Don't care the inside. And Parisian Artis, they've been locked in a battle through a slick last half. Behind them, Kukalane gets the sprint lane. Sundon's Courage down the middle. Parisian Artis surge to the lead though with 50 meters to go. The Swan Hill Trotters Cup winner is going to win the Maryborough Trotters Cup. And Parisian Artiste from flying home. One overall to get second. Don't care, I think held third in front of Sundon's courage and Kukalane for fourth.
3: That... that, well, they were the concluding stages of the Maryborough Trotters Cup on uh, Sunday, yesterday afternoon, and I'll tell you what, straight afterwards, there was the Community Bank Maryborough Gold Cup for the Pacers at Group 3 level. Here's the concluding stages of that race, and then Clevy and I will discuss. 26-3, they flew down the back
1: into the lane. Act now led. Beyond Delight peels off the cover. Free shot. Torrid Saint's running on behind them. Act now, Beyond Delight. Torrid Saint through to third. But Act Now's packing plenty. He's holding the bay And he leads all the way in the Maryborough Gold Cup. Act now beats Beyond Delight. Torrid Saint. And Cosimo was charging through into fourth spot. A break to the others. A couple of lengths are like a wildfire. Seb's choice. Better be the bomb. Crime writer. And then Phoenix Prince. And after doing the work, Parked Our Millionaire was last. 27-3. The Final quarter, mile race for Baron Park, one fifty six flat, but a brilliant last eight hundred metres has seen Act
3: Now bounce back into the winners list to take out the Community Bank Miraborough Gold Cup. What was that I was just saying about the four year olds, Clevey?
4: Unbelievable.
3: Um, Act now defeating Beyond Delight. So they dominated again, the four-year-olds. And...
4: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's just amazing. And, and look at the, the Trotters' last half there, four-year-olds sitting in the deck,
3: 55-8. Oh, just absolutely uh, amazing stuff. And, and uh, I was just going to say how quickly, quickly we forget. It was a year ago, a little over a year ago, when Act went on that demolition job of the Victoria Derby series. Um I know a great recruit to this station, Giddy Out with Gareth Hall, was sort of saying, well, he's probably the best horse going – you know, he'll be the most exciting horse going around. And then all the other four-year-olds uh, pop up, and uh, bombo lockdown hasn't quite come back, and he's had his issues, but rock and roll do stepped up, and then Better Eclipse uh, winning the Chariots in the Sunshine Sprint. But Now is a really – when he's out in front, he's feeling big and strong and he's in the mood – He's a really, really good horse. And we got we got a glimpse of what might be to come, I think, on Sunday.
4: Absolutely. And Jodie said, you know, she knew when he went out on the track that he was just cherry ripe. And she said Clayton didn't want him having a real gut bust first up, which he didn't have. And I remember back in derby day, you know, you used to have uh, – he would walk into the parade ring and you'd just hear him squealing out and he was just this big scout coming into the parade. And when he was like that, you knew he was really cherry ripe. And Jody said he was like that yesterday. And he proved that he was certainly feeling good because the times that they've ran, they've ran their last half in 53.7, which is absolutely motoring. And, you know, when you have a look at uh, everything going down the back straight, you know, anything that tried to make a run out three wide, like a wildfire, we ran 25.67 down the back straight. But they just couldn't keep that pace up going around the corner. Ended up being a, peg, a pegs-dominated race with the five horses on the pegs all finishing first five, but uh, they were absolutely breaking the clock. And like you say, that that list of four-year-olds that you just keep and keep talking about, it's just so exciting to see where they're going to get to because there's so many of them, it's hard to tell who's going to be the best at the end of the season. Uh,
3: as we always know, the pegs are God. So first, second, third and fourth home. In the Community Bank Maryborough Gold Cup yesterday, leader behind leader, three poles, four poles. But the staggering thing here is we went through so many races on Saturday night, and you can tell why uh, they were on pace and peg dominated. And not saying that twenty nine four twenty 1st first two quarters of the final mile over a twenty six hundred ninety meter race. Not saying that's blistering, but I mean that is that's powerful for Mac now to be able to break thirty. Break thirty and then step it up to a twenty six three and a twenty seven four and a one fifty five nine mile rate. That's that's a real win. Like that's a, that 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 is a win of a horse who um, under the right circumstances. I don't want to. I'm I'm not going to mention him against a couple of the other four year olds at the moment. One of whom is over in New Zealand. But that that's that's the real deal stuff. And what we know about Act now, critically, is when he's in the mood, he's got that enormous gate speed and we just spoke about how important it can it is to be in front or to be on the pegs in these races well he knows how to get there when he's in the mood because he's a very quick beginner Clevy.
4: yeah he's got huge gate speed when he uh when it's required and that's that's going to make it interesting. Like you talk about rock and roll do. He, he, he went absolutely amazing in the Victoria cup, you know, to sit in the death seat. But, you know, as you say, he's going to have to sit out, mate, outside the horse like Act now, you know, because Act now could probably just cross him easy, no matter whether he draws inside him or outside him. So all of a sudden, as you say, at the end of the season, these horses are all going to come together at some point, And it's going to be one hell of a race. It's, it's it really is. It's so exciting to see, and you know we need we need stars, and and I think right now we've got a, an absolute handful of them.
3: Well, let's hope they all do come together. As mentioned, we might take our final break now, and uh, we're not going to play the blame game. But I do apologise to the listeners because it, it has not been easy going this morning. Again, um, some of those really big delays. We do apologise. Trying to give you the best possible show on the best radio we can. And as I say, the no-blame game, it's just one of those things, but uh, we do apologise. Final break. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll put a bow on this puppy and have a look at a couple of little bit of – or a few housekeeping issues we need to deal with before saying sayonara.
2: Oh,
3: welcome back. Welcome back. How are you? So, are you good, are you good listening in this morning or early afternoon to uh, to Trot's life. It's been a battle, and I want to very much thank uh, Steve Cleve for his uh, his efforts and his insight and his black bookers and his uh, horses to follow in the next little while. Because um, uh, through no fault of his own, obviously, we were hearing him, you know, twenty five thirty seconds after I was asking him a question, and uh, then. I can't interrupt at that point because it's still coming through to him. So um, we very much appreciate his patience and your patience this morning and in the early afternoon as we try and give you the best information we possibly can for you to be able to find some winners going forward. Now, a couple of little updates. We've already discussed it, uh, the, the, the flood situation and we heard that great interview with Rob Orber speaking with Duncan McPherson about uh, some of the things that he endured in the lead-up to Saturday night's uh, Group 1 win in the Victoria Trotters Oak, sponsored by Catanash Jewelers with Elder Baron Keeper. But there's been already now the transfer of Wednesday's uh, Charlton meeting to Maryborough and Thursday night's Shepparton meeting to Bendigo due to the Vic Flood emergency. And we know that Shepparton in particular right now is being very badly affected. Please keep in touch with the Trot's website and social media platforms, for all the latest and and stay safe. And <clears throat> no doubt there'll be uh, there'll be a hotline of sorts you can go through to Harness Racing Victoria if you're a participant or you need help with horses or you need to spread the word in any way that you're in a similar situation to what Duncan found himself in uh, last week. So just uh, just stay safe out there and make sure you keep up with these updates because the last thing anybody wants as well is for people not to be kept 100% fully abreast. And I'm sure they're using the text message service as well, that they have the facility at Harness Racing Victoria to send these messages out and make sure people are incredibly well-informed because um, we know, well, certainly I do, and I'm I'm sure Harness Racing Victoria knows that uh, participants have to make, make their own plans um, and they need to set their horses and they need to know where they're racing and where they're not racing and whether a transfer of meetings is going to make it impossible uh, for them to turn up or to preclude their involvement. So it's all very, very important that um, people stay connected during these times and um, and everyone understands the difficulty of the situation for everybody else as well, between administrations and participants and breeders and owners and, and, uh, and everyone in between. Now, race two at Melton is about to get going. I don't think we are going to be able to get Any audio of this either? Uh, I'll see if Tomo is returning to the studio now. Hey, Tom Banger, is there any way we can play this race at Melton? Um, Because if we can, we might just take that in and and wind it up from there. Saturday night, by the way, the feature meeting uh, meeting this weekend goes to my hometown, the City of Dreams, G-Town, Detroit for the Geelong Pacing Cup at Group 2 level. I think a number of those runners that went around in the Mariborough Cup will be there and maybe a couple of others as well. So very much looking forward to it. Big week for Geelong Thoroughbred Cup on Wednesday and then the Harness Racing Cup on Saturday night. So uh, a lot to look forward to down in my spiritual home, the City of Dreams down there in Detroit. Make sure you get there. Uh, no, I was going to see if we can play this uh, race actually at Melton that's on the screen right now. Let's chuck that on and then... Um, We'll come back and say goodbye. Hopefully, the race will be just concluding when we get that hard out music, and we can head off to the trackside boys because they've got an interview with Lee Dalton coming up. Here's race two at Melton. Southern GNP is in front as we try and get it up. The audio that is favorite highlight uh, is behind the leader. Is that Southern GNP still in front? Yes, it is. Whipping around now to take up a more forward position is Ashford Secret. And Tomo's trying to work out the secret of how to get the audio going for the trots. Here we go.
0: ...for the first race uh, lead time. In fact, this is slower. There you go. 50.9 the lead time. And the leader is Southern GNP. About a metre away second is Ashford Secret who made a move to get there. They were walking. Third over on the pegs is a favourite highlight. And on the outside fourth is Marola Magic. Fifth the pegs really Campbell. Sixth on the outside is Good Feelings. Around the top turn they have 1,300 metres left to travel. And Southern GNP is the leader. They've picked it up a little bit. They had to. They were crawling prior. And Southern GMP is going through the first quarter of the last mile in 32.7. And that's going quicker than they, what they were before. With just over a lap to travel. Southern GMP, two metres in front of Ashford Secret. In third spot was favourite highlight. Fourth Marola Magic. Then really Campbell on the inside of Good Feelings. Out of the straight, 900 metres left the travel. And Southern GMP leads the way. And is trying to lead all of the way. And it's in front from Ashford Secret. In behind them in third spot, favourite highlight. Fourth, the outside was Marola Magic. It's the favourite in the small field. One out, one back. Has got keen at times with a slow tempo. Really Campbell fifth on the pegs. And last on the outside as they head into the back straight now was Good Feelings. 31.9 for the second split. And the leader is Southern GNP. Allowed to roll a little bit quicker now down the back. On its outside Ashford Secret. Tucked away, favourite highlight the outsider of the field awaits the garage sprint lane then marola magic coming out wider is good feelings and last of the six really campbell but it's not far off them as they go to the 400 meters off the back in 29.6 on the inside it's a southern GNP just in front of marola magic and then out three wide as they came to the turn now uh, was good feelings four deep really campbell's getting home favorite highlight held up uh, so too was marola magic in the straight